Welcome to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. I'm Kent Blanford. Each week, we'll bring you a sampling of some of the best Catholic podcasts being prepared and shared out there on the internet. Let's start with a question. How's your prayer life? Now, if your first reaction was, what's a prayer life? Then we have some work to do. Is daily prayer part of your life? I'm not just talking about those desperate pleas when traffic is beyond belief. I'm talking about your daily check-in with God. Maybe for you it's praying rosary, or some quiet time before you start your day. On today's sampler, we're starting off with an offering from the Jeff Cavins Show podcast from Ascension Press. This episode explores why morning is the best time to pray. Here's Jeff Cavins. You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show, episode 186, Why Morning is the Best Time to Pray. Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's The Jeff Caven Show. Ah, welcome, and it is morning, morning deep in the woods, Minnesota here, looking out at the the lake. It's a little windy. It's getting to be fall now, and uh, the beautiful maple trees are changing. Uh, a lot of the Canadian geese are, are going south, and things are looking a little bit different. And they're looking different in so many different ways, you know, with everything that's going on in our lives with COVID-19 political debates, and so much more. It uh, It's a very interesting time, and I want to talk to you today about why I think that morning is the best time to pray. And you might automatically be thinking, well, you know what, I'm not a morning person, and we'll talk about that. I don't believe that completely, but we're, we're going to talk about that, and I'm going to give you five reasons why I think morning is the best time to pray with some examples in my own life of how this has has really become a fruitful time in my life, an established time, a habit in my life. And I think that if uh, if you would do that, uh, you might find that turn in, in, the, in the road that you're looking for in your life. You might find the answers that you are looking for. So I've got quite a few scriptures I'm going to be sharing with you. And you can get those from me by simply texting my name, all one word, Jeff Cavins, at text it to 33777. That's 33777. And that will put you on the list to get all the show notes in the future. This is show 186. And if you do that, if you text my name to 33777, you'll get today's notes. You'll get show number 374, Lord willing, to uh, to share with you. And that's what we really try to do on the show, is uh, try to talk about things that are relating to discipleship, your relationship with the Lord, uh, to give you that advice and that uh, example, hopefully, that will be fruitful as far as your relationship with Jesus Christ as a disciple. Hey, coming up, I want I wanted to tell you this. Uh, many of you know uh, my good friend, Father Mike Schmitz. We have gone to uh, the Holy Land together. We've gone to other places together. We, we love to go on pilgrimage together. And we've got a huge announcement, and that is that uh, last June was canceled. <laughs> That's right. We had we had young adults coming from all over the country, and that trip was canceled last June due to COVID. But here's the good news. It's on again for this coming June. 
And I get questions from people all the time. Are we? Are you still going to do it? And the answer is, yeah, it's on the schedule. We're working toward it. And and uh, if you go to my website, jeffcavens.com, you can find out the information about that pilgrimage. It's the first two weeks of June. Father Mike Schmitz and I will be leading, and there's going to be tremendous singers like Ali Alia and Taylor Tripodi, and uh, the Swaffords are going to be coming. And uh, we've got many, many more. So I, I want I wanted to tell you about it. I keep forgetting, you know, on these uh, these previous shows after I'm done, I think, ah, oh, why didn't I say that? But Father Mike Schmitz will be joining me, and we're going to have a great time. And it's unlike any other pilgrimage. And I know you have a choice in pilgrimages to different parts of the world. And I think that what we offer in the Holy Land is just plain superior. It's great. Not only do we have great priests with us, but we we have mass at very, very important places like Jerusalem and, and uh, Nazareth and Capernaum, Bethlehem. We have masses at all of these major, major cities, and we pray the rosary in all of the places that you should pray the rosary, and we have a number of really neat surprises that are, are kind of, uh, I'm not going to tell you what they are, but they're, they're real boosts in your faith. And you'll hear from Father Mike Schmitz every day, and I will be teaching every day. So uh, get your place in line. Go to my website, jeffcavens.com, and uh, save your place. That's June of 2021. And then the next trip I'll be taking in January will be January of 2022. So that's a little over a year away, a year and a quarter away. And uh, yes, we hope that we can get these pilgrimages back up and going. All right, so we're talking about the morning. And I need to ask you, have you ever woke up in the morning and there is about a five to 10 minute period before you actually get out of bed? And that five to 10 minute period is kind of crummy. Do you know what I mean? You, you, you wake up and you don't even know why, but it's just like, uh, and you can't, you can't get, you know, everything in perspective and, and maybe, maybe you didn't finish business yesterday and uh, something happened at, at work and you just feel kind of, you know, uh, and you're not clear. Your, your thinking is cloudy. And, and so you just have this crummy feeling. I don't know how else to, you know, describe it other than you just kind of feel crummy. Uh, so you didn't finish business yesterday, or maybe you've got a huge meeting today, uh, responsibility, doctor's appointment, going to, uh, maybe your schedule is just, wow, it's packed, and you wake up and you feel that, uh, kind of that crummy feeling. Maybe your favorite team, Vikings, twins were beat yesterday by the Astros, <laughs> or your football team or your your college team was beat. And I know that's not the most important thing in life, but it is kind of cool to wake up and think, yeah, we upset a number one team yesterday. And that was a lot of fun. Maybe the stock market went down yesterday and it really had an impact on you, particularly as you get closer to retirement. Or maybe it's just sort of you wake up and it's the same old, same old. I oftentimes will say to people, that in terms of meeting with the Lord, and I believe, I sincerely believe that every single day we should have a time where we meet with the Lord and we pray and, and we work life out with the Lord in an open Bible right there in front of us in a notebook. And when I say to people, you know, they'll say, well, they'll ask, well, when do you pray? And I'll say, well, I pray every morning. 
every morning. And uh, my wife and I pray every morning. It's about an hour to an hour and a half every single morning. We pray, we read Bible, we, we talk with one another. We do Lexio Divina. And when I tell people, you should be meeting with the Lord in the morning, the number one thing I get back, which I think is, uh, I don't think it's a right answer, to be honest with you. People say, well, I'm just not a morning person. Have you ever said that? Or do you feel like maybe that's you? I'm not a morning person. Now, the reason that I don't agree with that is that when you say, I'm not going to meet with God in the morning because I'm not a morning person, what you're saying is, is that I have to feel good. I have to be organized. I have to have schedule free. I've got to have some margin. I got I to gotta feel good before I meet with the second person of the Trinity. Well, did it ever dawn on you that maybe that's your problem? Seriously, did did it ever dawn on you that maybe that excuse is your problem in that you really do need to meet with God in the morning, first thing in the morning, and because you don't, you go into the day complicated, unorganized, no priorities, and life, it, it just hits you in the face. The tyranny of the urgent, right? Text messages and emails and calls and unfinished to-do lists. What you really needed, oh, foggy-headed one, <laughs> what you really needed was you needed to meet with the Lord. And that doesn't mean that you have your suit and your tux on and you're showered and ready to go and you got your cologne and you got your nice notebook and everything else. No, you, you, you meet with the Lord the way you are. And there is a real advantage to this. And do, people do come up with excuses. I'm not a morning person or I only have so much time to prepare for my job, Jeff. Exactly. That's why you need to use it wisely. Or they'll say, well, you know, without coffee, I'm worthless. And that's all the time I have in the morning. It's all I can do to just get a cup of coffee and run out to the car and, and go to work. Well, there's a solution to that. Change your schedule. <laughs> uh, don't you think that, uh, that uh, uh, the Lord wants alert disciples, you might say? You know, wants people that are caffeinated and those are the best disciples? No. Another excuse may be the rest of the family is up and going out the door and it's just chaos get up a little earlier. Or I'm in touch with the Lord all day long, Jeff. You don't get it. I don't need a time in the morning. I'm just like this walking communion with God. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I bet it is. Well, let me give you five reasons why I think that morning is the best time to meet with the Lord. And by the way, if you're looking for a scripture that uh, is filled with excuses as to why we can't meet with the Lord, look at Luke chapter 9, in verse 57 to 62, in fact, that is the Bible reading for today in the liturgy. Came across that this morning in my time of prayer, where I got up feeling foggy, hadn't showered, hair looks like I've been through uh, a tornado. But the Lord accepted me. He loves me. He didn't say, hey, go, go to the, you know, use the restroom and, and get all fixed up before you come back and talk to me. Don't you know who I am? No, he accepts, accepts me just the way I am. So let's um, let's take a look at this, shall we? I'm going to give you I'll give you five reasons and scripture why I think the morning is the best time to meet with the Lord. Number one, and it probably is the best, and you can't top it, and that is Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, is the example. He is the example. 
It tells us in Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark. <laughs> you know, this morning when I got up, it was dark still, kind of windy. And uh, there were some white caps on, uh, on the lake. And not many walkers out there this morning. It was dark. It was early. That was the time when Jesus got up. He rose early in the morning while it was still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So Jesus had a regular place of prayer, and he often went out very early in the morning. And you have to ask yourself, well, if he is the second person of the Trinity, why in the world is he going out so early? And if he's in constant contact with the Father, why did he go out early? And that's a good question, and that's that's part of the answer, is that if God went out to meet with God, the Father, every morning, how much more do we need to meet with God in the morning? There's such an indecisiveness, you know, in our lives when we say, well, I'm going to do it when I can, and some mornings I do, and other mornings I don't. Why not live a life of virtue? Why not live a life of, of pattern and habit that enables you to grow and to hear the voice of the Lord? And so if Jesus went out early in the morning, which was his custom, how about us? Why don't we follow him? Paragraph 236 of the Catechism, uh, remember to put that in the notes for you. Paragraph 236 of the Catechism talks about the two aspects that we need to know about God. One is we need to know the theology, the heart of our Father, but then we also need to know his plan, and this is a perfect time to do it in the morning. The Catechism also says that Jesus, what he said and what he did throughout the day, came out of his time of prayer. That's what it says. It says that it came that everything he said, in other words, all of the board meetings that he had to that he had to go to, all of the meetings and family obligations and, and all of that, all of that came out of his time in the morning. I love that. So number one, Jesus is the example. I've got four more reasons why the morning is the best time to meet with God every single day. And I'm going to give those, those four to you right after this. You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step -step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting Him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about How to Pray Like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. Hey, welcome back. We're talking about why morning a.m. is the best time to pray and to meet with Jesus. I love it because, you know, I, 
When I wake up in the morning, the one thing I need more than anything else is the Lord Jesus Christ. I need the mind of Christ. I need his perspective, his power, and uh, his wisdom. I need it every morning. And think about just going off and living your day uh, every single day without time with the Lord when you have the time to actually meet with him as a disciple. And even if you don't know what to say, just to look at him. You know, Some people meet in their homes. Some people t- uh, go out and take a walk and sit somewhere and meet with the Lord. Some people go up to the church right away and have a holy hour. There's a lot of different ways that you can meet with the Lord every single morning. But I do encourage you to fix yourself on one of them and make it a habit. Okay, so the first one was the best example as to why we should, or the best reason why we should make morning a time of prayer. The first thing, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Number two, you establish your trust and you place your trust for the day. What do I mean by that? Well, when you get up in the morning, you have a question to answer, and that is, what are you going to put your trust in today? What are you going to trust in? Who are you going to trust? And the answer is, is that we trust the Lord. We trust the Lord. Now, Psalm 143, verses 8 through 10, is absolutely chalk-filled with incredible insights about the morning and what we do in the morning when we meet with the morning in prayer. Psalm 143, verses 8 through 10 says, Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. (laughs) Oh, wow. All right. Okay. Psalm 143, 8 through 10. You got your money's worth right there. If you didn't hear anything else, that is really fantastic. So when you establish your trust for the day, listen to Psalm 143. You hear God in the morning. He delivers you from your enemies. He teaches you to do his will and you ask for his good spirit to lead you. Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? Man, I love that. And also in Psalm 59, verse 16, but I will sing of your strength, I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been to me a fortress, a refuge in the day of my distress. And I love what... uh, it says in Isaiah 33, 2, I'll put this in the notes as well. Oh, Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning. That is to be our strength and our support, our salvation in the time of trouble. You see, if you go to the Lord in the morning before your day begins, you can settle your anxiety issues and those things that you are so uncertain about. <laughs> you, can, you can bring those to the Lord. I love that. Number three, we're talking about why the morning is the best time to meet with the Lord every day, not Monday through Friday, every day, which is what we try to do in the Cavens household. We don't have days off, you know. <laughs> Lord, it's uh, Saturday. Won't need your help today. Thank you, though. I'll see you back on Monday morning. No, we don't. That's not the way we do it. It's every single day. Now, number three, the reason why mornings are so good to meet with the Lord, I love this reason, and that is that God's mercy is fresh every morning. 
Isn't that beautiful? Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new, or one translation says fresh. They are fresh every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. So when you get up in the morning, you got that fresh coffee, you got that fresh lemon, you're not lemonade, what do you call it? Uh, orange juice. You got your fresh orange juice, and it's a brand new day. What is fresh from the Trinity every single day? His mercy. His mercy. Maybe you did blow it yesterday. Maybe yesterday was just a plain screwed up day that didn't end well, and and you don't ever want to see a day like that. You know you made mistakes. You know you treated someone poorly. You know you didn't make good decisions. I got news for you. His mercy is fresh every morning. It's fresh every morning, but you got to go to the bakery. You've got to go and meet with him and realize that he loves you and his mercy is being extended to you every single day. And I think that when you receive his mercy every single day and you, you meditate on these, uh, this, the personality of God, the traits of God, it is such a blessing to you. It's such a blessing to you. You see, God is meeting you in the morning with his best. And that's why we, as Jesus did, can meet with God in the morning and give him our best. We give him the best part of the day. Well, Jeff, that's four to five for me. Stop. <laughs> Stop it with that, okay? Meet with him in the morning because there are benefits here. You need, you don't need his mercy starting at four. You need his mercy the first thing in the morning. You don't need to establish his trust at four. You need to do it in the morning, right? Jesus' example was in the morning. He met with the Father. And so we are typically, after you settle down for a few minutes, more, you're more clear thinking in the morning than two o'clock in the afternoon when you need a power nap. So you're giving God your best. And every morning, be reminded of the character and the plan of God. Again, paragraph 236 of the Catechism. Psalm 90 in verse 14 says, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that... This is why, see, this is why in the morning, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Why are we such rejoicing uh, rejoicing people? Why are we glad? Well, God satisfied me in the morning with his steadfast love. I love that. Uh, I love it. Okay, number four, morning is a great time to reboot. It's a great time to reboot. What do I mean by that? Well, I think that uh, every single day reflects a lifetime. You've got the sun coming up. You've got the sun going down. You've got 24 hours a day. And it uh, starts off with more energy. It ends with you are tired. It's kind of like life in, in general. And every single morning, you get a new opportunity to reboot or to start over with the Lord. And I think that's a great grace. I think that is... Uh, you know, if, if we didn't have mornings and your life started my November 8th, 1957, and since November 8th, 1957, I have been going and going and going and going and going. And here we are in 2020 and I have not stopped. I haven't stopped. What would life be like if that's the way we were created? 
But every day we have this cycle and you get this opportunity to reboot. In other words, my friend, tomorrow morning is a new day for you. It's a new opportunity for you. And I love that great quote that Billy Graham used to say at, at his uh, crusades. He would say, now, he said, would, would, is the hour of decision. Today is the hour of decision. Right now is the hour, and we get a new day every day to reboot. Tells us in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Now, those first five minutes might be another story, but when you get out of bed and and uh, you get a you get a shower or whatever you're going to do in the morning, and you sit down with the Lord, or you sit down with the Lord before your shower. There's going to come a few minutes where suddenly you're going to realize that you're sitting with the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, and joy comes with the morning. As the prophets said in the Old Testament, "The joy of the Lord is my strength," and that joy comes in the morning, says says Proverbs. It comes in the morning, and maybe you had a weeping night, and you and it was a long night, and you wake up in the morning and think, oh, thank God, it's morning. Oh, that was an awful night. Well, when you meet with the Lord, joy can come in the morning. And I love that idea that, that every day is like a new lifetime. It's a chance to, to start over. Proverbs chapter 4, boy, you're getting a lot of scripture this week, aren't you? And I'm going to put it all in the show notes might be uh, some good scripture to meditate on, do Lexio Divina, or memorize them. Yeah, we still do that. We still, we still memorize God's word. We hide it in our heart. Proverbs 4, verses 18 and 19 says, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. See, our, our, our path begins in the morning. Our path begins in the morning. The, the, the path of righteousness or the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It just keeps shining brighter and brighter until full day. And the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Uh, that's good. Hey, number five, of number five, uh, why is it so important to meet with the Lord in the morning? Because it establishes your expectations for the day. You establish your expectations in the morning for the day, as it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 6, in the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. And so it's in the morning that we sow seed. We pray for our children. We pray for the people we work with. We're sowing seed in the morning, and then throughout the day, we're watching it grow. We don't know which seeds are going to grow today, but could be this one, that one, or it could be both. But we don't want to sow seed at 6 p.m. Now, you can. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But when's when's the, the best time? The best time is the early time, and then you can watch it grow. So the morning is a great time to establish expectations, plant the seed, watch your day. It says in uh, Psalms 5 and 3, 5 and verse 3, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. My friends, those are the five reasons why I think it's better to meet with the Lord in the morning. 
and uh, you might have more. And if you want to write those to me, you want to send them to me, you can uh, write me at my email address, the Jeff Caven Show at ascensionpress.com. That's the Jeff Caven Show at ascensionpress.com. I would love to hear from you. And I pray with all of my heart that God will bless you and that you can start a new habit in your life. Seriously, let me know how that is going in your life. Again, if you want to go to Israel with Father Mike Schmitz and myself next June of 2021, then go to my website, jeffcavens.com. And if you haven't registered there, you're going to get a special gift right off the bat. And I'll give you a hint. It's going to help you exchange news programs for the Word of God. It's kind of interesting, but you'll get that. Okay, my friend, let me pray for you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I thank you for my friends. I thank you, Lord, for my friends who are I know long for you and hunger for you. Help us, Lord, to establish healthy habits and patterns in our life that will give you the best and give you the, uh, the opportunity to, to change our lives. Help us to be real, Lord, real with you and real with ourselves, and to live a life like Jesus, like you. We thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, also, we pray for our government and for all that's going on in Washington. Oh, God, may your will be done. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Have a great day, my friend. I love you. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler, and we'll be back with more right after this. Hurting cars, trucks, homes, businesses, workshops, garages, man caves, and she sheds. We're with you wherever you go. Catholic Radio Indy. Alexa, What's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. Today, we're exploring the role of prayer in our lives. Often, when we think of prayer, we automatically turn to the classic rote prayers of the Church, the Lord's Prayer, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, and the various creeds, and so on. These are a great starting point. Our next offering, from Joan Watson and Three Minute Theology, takes a look at the value of rote prayer in our prayer life. When we speak about prayer, we want to remember that prayer is a relationship. It's a relationship between God and us. St. Teresa of Avila defined prayer as an intimate conversation between friends. And so when we look at our daily prayer life, we want to be having these frequent conversations with God. We want to speak to Him from the heart and share with Him as we would share with a friend or a spouse. But there is also a place in our daily prayer life for rote 
prayer, for those memorized prayers of our youth, or for the prayers that we may read out of a prayer book like Thomas Aquinas' prayer in front of the crucifix. What is the purpose of rote prayer? Well, I think rote prayer can protect us sometimes from distractions. Sometimes I get very distracted in my daily prayer. And so to have a prayer book, to have words on a page that I can go to can be very helpful. Also, sometimes we may not have the words to pray. We may find ourselves in a situation where we don't have the words to cry out to God with, but maybe the words of the glory be come to us naturally from our childhood. This is an important part of memorized or rote prayer. Also, when we look at those prayers that are maybe written in the pages of our prayer book, they draw upon thousands of years of church history, of church theology, of the writings of the saints. Sometimes when I look at these prayers, I realize I don't have those words. I can't express these things in this way. And so we have really a richness in the treasury of the prayers of the church. You know, when the apostles asked Christ to teach them how to pray, he taught them the Our Father. And those are words that those men memorized and then passed on. And for thousands of years, we Christians have been praying the Our Father as, a, as an integral part of our daily prayer lives. We look at things like the Psalms. Christ himself would have had the Psalms memorized and they would have been, they would have been a foundation for his daily prayer. So there's nothing wrong with memorization. There's nothing wrong with repetition. It can really form the core of our daily conversations with God. Now, the danger is that this rote prayer becomes simply words we recite and that our heart and our minds aren't united to those words that we're saying. And so we have to fight this danger and we really have to pay attention to the words that we say, whether they're memorized or read, and make sure that our hearts and our minds are united in that daily conversation with our God. And that's a little theology in three minutes. Of all the prayers that we offer up throughout our lives, the one that holds a place of honor above all others is the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. That place of honor no doubt comes from the fact that this prayer was given to us by Jesus himself. It's right there in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. We've all recited it countless times, but have you ever really thought long and hard about what it is you're saying? Our next offering on today's sampler comes from the Our Catholic Prayers podcast as they unpack the wealth of teaching behind so few familiar words. Welcome to the Our Catholic Prayers commentary on the Lord's Prayer, also known as the Our Father. We'll start with the prayer itself. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. The Lord's Prayer, also known as the Our Father, was composed by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. 
This magnificent prayer beautifully reflects the wishes of its divine author. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, where it first appears in the Gospels, When praying, do not choose many words. In other words, quantity doesn't necessarily mean quality in your prayer life, especially if you're not being sincere. We can marvel that the Lord's Prayer sums up what we need from God and what He wants from us so succinctly. The Lord's Prayer has had many great admirers throughout the ages. St. John Chrysostom, one of the preeminent theologians known as Doctors of the Church, once wrote of it, What prayer could be more true before God the Father than that which His Son, who is truth, uttered with His own lips? St. Augustine, the famous bishop of Hippo in North Africa, best known for his great work, The Confessions, wrote in 412 A.D., If we pray rightly, and has become our wants, we say nothing but what is already contained in the Lord's Prayer. Some eight centuries later, one of the Church's greatest doctors, St. Thomas Aquinas, noted in his famous work, The Summa Theologica, that in the Lord's Prayer, not only do we ask for all that we may rightly desire, but also in the order wherein we ought to desire them, so that this prayer not only teaches us to ask, but also directs all our affections. Finally, in the 19th century, St. Therese of Lisieux, the nun best known as the Little Flower of Jesus, marveled in her autobiography that Sometimes when I am in such a state of spiritual dryness that not a single good thought occurs to me, I say very slowly the Our Father or the Hail Mary, and these prayers suffice to take me out of myself and wonderfully refresh me. She mentions here, incidentally, an excellent way to say the Lord's Prayer, slowly, to get the most out of it, rather than rattling it off on autopilot, as we all do sometimes. The Lord's Prayer has seven petitions. The first three concern God's desires from us. The last four concern our desires from God. Note the wonderfully communal nature of these requests from the outset. God the Father is our Father as well. As St. Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, You have received the spirit of adoption of sons, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. This is taken from Romans chapter 8, verse 15. We are to honor God's name and live our lives so that his kingdom in heaven may be one with ours on earth in love and obedience. Can you imagine what kind of world we would have if we all started naturally obeying His commandments? A world without the hatreds and terrible wars they bring, for starters. It would be heaven on earth in many ways. Thus, when we pray, Thy will be done, we pray that we may be better citizens in training for heaven, and to remember that God's will for us is what counts. Our Lord used those very words, Thy will be done, in his prayers to God the Father the night before his passion. This is truly the Lord's Prayer, in more ways than one. On the petitions that follow, note that our daily bread has a wonderful double meaning. Bread is food for our bodies, and as the body of Christ in the Eucharist, as food for our souls. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, the following lines. Help us see succinctly one of Jesus' crucial points in the Gospels. If you forgive men their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you, also your offenses. 
But if you will not forgive men, neither will your Father forgive you. This is taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, from the Sermon on the Mount. Our Lord further stresses the necessity of forgiveness when Peter asks him later on in Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 18, if he should forgive someone up to seven times. And Jesus replies, Seventy times seven. Many times in our lives, forgiving someone seems to be the hardest thing we can do. How often have you had problems with family members, bosses, and co-workers, especially those, that never get straightened out? How often have you found it difficult to get past your own anger and resentment over grievances? And what about those times when people have a grudge against you? That can make life loads of fun, right? Whether others hit you with a pillow or with a ton of bricks, Jesus has the same message. Get over it. We are all called to imitate Christ in this manner, as in others, so as to live so that others may see him working in us. We live in an unforgiving world full of people who would rather bear grudges than crosses. Nonetheless, remember that our Lord cried out to his Father from his cross during his crucifixion, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. Talk about forgiveness! Note how this leads into the final two petitions, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Satan, also referred to in Scripture as the devil, and his forces of evil, his fellow demons, don't want you to forgive and forget, but rather to keep picking at the scabs of whatever wounds others have given you. When you do that, can they ever heal? Life is more manageable when we can let go and let God. As a popular phrase puts it, if nothing else, we can and should at least pray for those who have wronged us or for whom we have wronged when we can't otherwise make amends. There might be some confusion in the line that follows when we ask God to lead us not into temptation. Would God ever want to do that? Of course not. In the Lord's Prayer, we ask for his help in resisting temptation, not letting it overcome us. He lets us experience temptation so that we may strengthen our spiritual muscles by learning to resist it and by asking for his help in doing so. An unforgiving heart is a good example of a major temptation. Jesus can help us to forgive others as he can help carry all of our crosses, but only if we let him. In the final line, Jesus echoes his own petition to his Heavenly Father in John's Gospel. I am not praying that you would take them out of the world, but that you would preserve them from evil. This is from John chapter 17, verse 15. Evil in this case refers to both the evil one, Satan, and to the evils he brings about in this world. With the help of the Lord's Prayer, we can better resist evil and prepare for eternal life with God in the world to come in heaven. This is Christopher Castagnoli for OurCatholicPrayers.com. God bless. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler, and we'll be back with more right after this. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. 
We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. Anytime you get in the car, turn on the radio, you know that there's going to be something encouraging. The right words come on, and you know that that's a word from God. God is really listening to you. He hears you. Catholic Radio Indy. Do you sometimes think that nobody prays for you? Does it seem like your concerns and worries aren't shared by anybody else? If so, then put that away. We here at Catholic Radio Indy pray for you, our listeners, every single day. If you have a special prayer request, go to www.catholicradioindy.org and let us know. We lift up our listeners' prayers each morning. It's how we start our workday. Let us pray for you, and may God bless you abundantly. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. Now, I was blessed to have grown up with a Catholic education at a time when the schools were staffed by religious sisters, brothers, and priests. We were taught at an early age how to recognize and greet these servants of the church in school, but sometimes we would happen upon one of them in public. What do we do then? Our last offering on today's sampler comes from a nun's life ministry as Sister Maxine and Sister Sharon address the sometimes touchy subject of how should I greet a nun or priest in public without invading their privacy? This podcast is brought to you by one of our sponsors, Vision Vocation Network. We have a second question here. I'm smiling because it's such an interesting question, Maxine. Isn't it? Yeah. From Paula in Germany. And Paula says, thank you, Holy Sister. I think she must be talking to you, Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. She says, I am a newish Catholic. I cannot find advice online for this. If I pass an unknown nun or priest on the street, how do I acknowledge their religious office without invading their space? Do I bow, greet them, cross myself, or what? Thank you so much for your instruction. This question tickled me a little bit because, of course, the culture of the United States and the culture of Germany is somewhat different. In our country, you don't see as many sisters, for example, in religious habits, so it would be a little more difficult to recognize that you were passing an unknown sister or priest, for that matter, unless they're wearing their Roman collar. And yet, I have always found, I don't know about you, Maxine, maybe it takes one to know one. I can pick a sister out of a crowd. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Often the haircut and very frequently the shoes. (laughs) But um, it's an interesting question. There was a time, I think, in our church hierarchy that it was really important that a priest or a sister or brother be raised up on a pedestal and recognized for their choice in life or their sacrifice But I think we've come to a deeper realization that the gift of God is part of all of us and that every human person demands respect from each other. All of us 
must recognize God present in one another. So I don't think, uh, Paula, that it's really necessary to cross yourself or to bow, though I told Sister Maxine she could try doing that with me. Um, And we were just teasing about it. I know this is a serious question for you, but I I think it's important for you to recognize the respect that you give to all human persons. And I so appreciate the question, too, because of wanting to be sensitive, to not invade one's space, as we would want to be sensitive always to one another. And, Paul, I think it's probably important, maybe this will be helpful, is, you know, there are other roles in society, and I'll use examples from the U.S., that we might acknowledge, like we might, when we pass a doctor in a hospital, say, hello, doctor, or a judge, or like like Shannon, a professor. And those are acknowledgments for a role, for a title, a job. Religious life, being a Catholic sister, is, is not a job. And so I think that's a helpful distinction. It's a lifestyle. It's a life form. Um, and not one that necessarily comes with a title that needs to be acknowledged. A few years ago in my teaching, I had a student from Lebanon. He was a Muslim student, and I thought, out of respect for him and his tradition, that I should learn the traditional greeting that Muslims give to one another, Assalamu alaikum. And the response is, alaikum assalam. And uh, I learned it so that I could show that respect to him when he came into my class. And it wasn't um, a lifestyle I was acknowledging as much as I was acknowledging his faith and his cultural tradition. And it seemed to be an important moment for me. And so I, I do that now when I'm in the grocery store. I can't always pick out a a gentleman that is Muslim, but I can usually recognize a woman if she's wearing a head covering. So I will greet them with "Assalamu alaikum" and a response. It's a way of honoring God, and that's who you really honor in that phrase. So I think there's a way. My dad would tip his hat when he saw a religious or go by a church. A nod is a is a way to greet and demonstrate respect and identity. And yet the religious person probably doesn't expect you to go beyond that just to acknowledge their presence. You mentioned passing by a church. A lot of people will make the sign of the cross when doing that. And Paul is a newish Catholic for people who may not be familiar with what the sign of the cross is. Sometimes you'll see, like if you watch baseball games, you'll see people make the sign of the cross before they go up to bat, which I always find interesting. Basically, it's, you know, you'll see the hand motion on the, to the forehead in the name of the Father and then to the chest and the Son, and then the left shoulder and the right shoulder, the Holy Spirit. And so you'll see, like, sometimes when people walk by a church, they'll make the sign of the cross. We often begin our prayers with the sign of the cross. Uh, there are other occasions we make the sign of the cross, but but I don't think any religious or priest would expect to see the sign of the cross in passing them in the street. Probably not. The sign of the cross has really become for us as Catholics a way to remind ourselves of our baptismal commitment. It's why as we enter into a church, we have holy water fonts. Well, we haven't during COVID, but 
as soon as they're back and it's safe for us to be dipping our hands into the same bowl of water, we bless ourselves with the holy water to remind ourselves that we are children of God under the sign of the cross. That's how we are reborn. And so I think any Christian person would recognize that sign. Now, Paula has asked about how do you greet a priest or a sister in public, for example, when you see them on the street. But let's talk about the other side of that. Like, let's say you just, you meet someone in private and you realize they're a sister. I know from personal experience, that can be sort of an awkward moment. People are like, do I call her Sister Max? Do I call her Max? What do I do here? And oftentimes, for me, what I'll do is recognizing that that can sometimes be an awkward moment. And depends on the setting, too. I may just say, just call me Max. You know, if I'm in a more formal setting where, let's say, I've been invited to do a presentation because I am a sister, it's a little bit different. But normally, it's okay, Paula, like in those situations, if you would just say, how would you like me to address you? If you're, if you're unsure, yeah, if you're unsure, because it's better than that kind of that awkwardness. Mm-hmm. And if you, once you have a relationship with somebody, I think things change there. I, I used to notice that my mom and dad, of course, they just called me by my first name, but when they introduced me to someone new, it was always, this is our daughter's sister, Shan. I know they were, that was important to them, number one, but I think it was a sign of respect that they were hoping that person would offer in return. So it's kind of an interesting thing how we do that. And so there's no like one kind of pat answer for some of that. It makes me think of when I was studying for my PhD and my brother, my oldest brother asked me, why are you doing that? And I said, so you have to call me doctor. (laughs) It has not worked yet. Nice try. Was it worth getting a PhD for? (laughs) No, there were other reasons for that. But it was a good line to offer my brother. Yes. So, Paula, again, thank you for the question. and, uh, And thanks for the sensitivity about asking about invasion of space. You know, I think the more courteous in this world that we are and the more sensitive we are to one another, the better life is. Blessings, Paula, and again, thanks for the question. We'll keep you in prayer as you continue to develop in your Catholic faith. That's right. That's a wonderful, a wonderful addition. Welcome to the family. To hear full episodes of A Nun's Life podcasts, visit the podcast page at anunslife.org slash podcasts. And that's all the time we have for this week's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. This episode, along with links to more of the podcasts we've shared, is available at catholicradioindy.org. I'm Kent Blanford. Have a great week, and may God bless. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org.